good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. In the old school there, say with the church, say amen. <laughs> Thank you for being that vessel this morning, Larie. I mean, you really touched my soul this morning. Yes. Ah. Fill me with the goodness, the spirit, the power, the love. Be that vessel of love. You know, there's a Hindu proverb that says that they who give have all things. And they who withhold have nothing. You know, I recall, you know, I was thinking about this talk. I was calling when my son was very young. Because I saw him the other day. He said, you know, I'm going down to Los Angeles. I'm going to go with some friends. We're going to, you know, uh, shoot a music video for the song that he created. And, and I'm still, in my mind, he's still a little kid. <laughs> Just in my mind, you know. Because I look at him, he's like, I'm looking up to him. Now, but I remember when he was a little kid, this, this image came back to me. We were going to go see, uh, we were going to go to uh, Chuck E. Cheese. And, um, and I said, yeah, hey, we get ready to go see Chucky. And he said, well, you know, his first name is not Chucky. His first name is Chuck. His middle initial is E. And his last name is Cheese. See, all this time, I thought his name was Chucky. So we're going to go see Chuck and go to Chuck E. Cheese. And so, you know, if you go there, they have lots of rides and games that you can play. You buy tokens, and uh, they put the tokens in the games or pay, pay for the, the different uh, rides that they go up to. And after you are on a ride or you play the games, if you, if you do well, they give you a bunch of coupons that you can turn in for some prizes or some more tokens to play more games. So, you know, it's like an endless loop. They just keep you there as long as they possibly can. And there was a little girl that was there. And she didn't have any tokens, didn't have any coupons. And, and just spontaneously, Jalen just gave him her half his tokens. Of course, you know, it was, he didn't care. You know, we bought it. So it wasn't like, you know, he had to pay for them. But he gave away his tokens and we went about our business. We had forgotten completely about it. And maybe 10 minutes later, she came running back, running up to Jalen, and, and she had a whole bunch of coupons, and she gave all this coup her coupons back to Jalen. And I realized, as I look back on that, that that day, Jalen was in the flow. He had unknowingly activated a spiritual law, spiritual law of giving, and he gave for the sake of giving. 
It was unconditional. He didn't want to get any benefit out of it. He wasn't looking for any benefit. That was not his motivation. Rather, there was just an inner guidance, an inner desire, and he gave without any expectation of anything in return. He gave way to the flow. So in week five of our Faith in Action series, going with the flow is our overall theme. And this week we're reading the chapter of the wellspring of giving or the topic today of giving way to the flow. And as we look at these teachings, we recognize that this, they're really about activating that which is already within us. We realize it's really activating and bringing out that which is already in us to bring out that which is in us so we can shine and, 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 and really bring forth this expanding good that is always there for us. And of course, we activate that, we initiate that through the act of giving. You know, there's a scriptural reference in the Gospel of Luke, 638, which Jesus supposedly said that give and shall be given unto you. And of course, giving is a spiritual law, it's an articulation of a spiritual law. And Eric Butterworth talks about the idea that giving is more than a charitable gesture. It's more than just giving a contribution to some cause. He says giving is an aspect of God itself, an aspect of the force that is inherent in all of life. Like the process of inhaling and exhaling is a cycle of receiving and giving, receiving and giving. And I was sharing this with a person who was kind of new to these teachings, a very good friend of mine. And he was capturing some of these ideas. And he was, of course, you know, a little skeptical, you know, about this whole God thing and, you know, universe and so forth and so on. But, you know, I, I was just trying to drop some, some hints here and there. And he said, well, in all that you talk about sounds well and good. But let me tell you about my situation, my situation about giving. You know, you know, I've given and I've given and I've given. I just can't give anymore. Nothing has happened in my life. I feel depleted. I feel exhausted. I feel unappreciated, unrecognized. This, of course, is an indication that he may have been giving without the right motivation. He was giving thinking that he was caught in a belief in separation and believed somewhere along the line he had his own resource to give from. That somewhere along the line, this thing called life, that he had his own stash that was not God's, it was not part of the universe, but it was his own private personal stash separate and apart from this presence. And if he gave of this stash, whether it's great or small, that some kind of way maybe God was going to bless him or give more, give him more recognition, maybe more money, more prestige, a better place to work, or whatever the case may be. He finally realized the truth as over time, because we talked a lot. But because here's the mistake if we believe that. We must understand that we have no private stash. We have no personal life in that sense. Because oftentimes we've been indoctrinated and enculturated into a culture of strict materialism that has a tendency to see us separate from our source, separate from the presence of God, separate from life itself. And so we've developed concepts of separation. And we believe that we have something to give from that sense of separation. And of course what that does, it just leads to a sense of that depletion and exhaustion and Sometimes for some people, frustration, and maybe in our world, 
jealousy and competition on the worst level. And we'll see lots of evidence in the world that will support that belief. But we must give from the right motivation and understanding of what giving is from the spiritual sense. Because authentic spiritual giving means, among other things, to give is our nature, as Karen was pointing out in her photograph today, you know, as spiritual beings. And we're not doing it for any reward at all. You know, there's a story of a telepath. And this telepath could commune with nature. And one day he was walking through an apple grove. And he said to one of the trees, the apple trees, uh, I've been noticing something. Uh, you have all these magnificent apples. And I see you give apples to everyone. People pick the apples, and you glad them, let them have them. Then you grow some more. Tell me a little something about yourself. And the tree said in response to the telepath, they, they were probably connecting. <laughs> the tree said, well, I don't know what to tell you other than it's just my nature. I love to give. And then the telepath asked the apple tree, well, what about the people who throw stones at you? And the apple tree just said, hey, they get even more. They throw stones at me, and I drop more apples, and they get more. And then the telepath asked them this question, have you ever desired a taste of your own fruit? And the tree said, oh, no, that's ridiculous. Only human beings want to get rewarded for their own fruit. They're the only ones who want to get a reward for their giving. So the apple tree, I think, has a message for us. We, we're here to radiate the spiritual presence of this Thing we call God and give without looking for the reward because to give is our natural way of being. So even those who throw stones of us, at us, metaphorically speaking, those who may talk negative about us, those who may criticize us, we give them more love, more peace, more harmony. Those who may impugn us have the privilege of being put, you put them at the top of the prayer list. Reach up real high, put them way at the top of the prayer list. Because we have an understanding of authentic giving. We realize we keep everything that we give away energetically. That's why it says, be a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, as that scripture says. There's a great spiritual law that says you keep everything you give away. So I love that statement from an author by the name of Melda Shanklin. She wrote a book, What Are You? And she said, never want for someone else what you would not want to see objectified in your own life. Because whatever we want for someone else, we keep the original. They get the copy. So you want to make sure they get, even the folks that we don't like, bless them, have a great life, <laughs> unfold, develop, unfold, be the very best you can be, get all that you're supposed to get because I'm keeping that energy. I think in the same vein, another wellspring of giving is the principle of circulation. Of course, you know, when we circulate, it means to move something through a circuit till it comes back to its starting point. You know, there's a scriptural in Ecclesiastes that says, cast your bread upon the waters. In a short time period, it will return unto you. So we want to ask ourselves, what bread have I cast on the waters lately? What have I circulated lately? You know, some folks will say, you know, my good's not coming. Nothing is happening. What's going on? What have you circulated lately? What bread have you cast upon the waters lately? Sometimes we realize that we only get back what we cast on the waters and nothing else. 
You know, sometimes people are trying to get other people bread. Bread they've cast on the waters. But we only get back the bread that we cast on the waters. That's what circulation is all about. You know, Reverend Deborah talked about we had the, the metaphysical Bible class and we were talking about all the, you know, our particular interpretation of the Bible is distinct from uh, the traditional. And we look at all the people, the places, the things representing something metaphorically going on within us. It represents something within us. And so when we read those statements in the Bible, we realize what do they mean for us? And metaphysically, bread meant universal substance. And water meant infinite possibilities. So we're here to cast divine substance, awareness, oneness with God, and we are to cast our bread on these infinite possibilities and see them multiply. So we find our ways to be givers. We ask, what if I cast upon the waters, knowing it comes back to us multiplied? And if we don't cast any bread, we don't receive any bread. If we don't cast any love, we don't receive any love. If we don't cast an emanation of peace, we don't receive any of that. This is universal law. It always comes back to a starting point. We're either circulating or stagnating. Circulate or stagnate, it's always up to us. So when folks may ask, why is my life stagnating? What, we have, what have we placed upon the waters lately? Where have we withheld that kind word? Where have we withheld the compassion? Where have we withheld the forgiveness for ourselves and others? Where have we closed off around our heart and believe in limitation and started holding on rather than casting our bread upon the waters and understanding in a short while it returns to us? And the more we give, the more we receive. Not to receive, that's not our motivation, but it's the byproduct of the giving. It means that sometimes we just have to fully give or be in the space where we are. Many don't fully give of themselves where they are, and sometimes they want to move to the next level of life. I remember years ago, I, I got a call out of the blue from someone. I didn't know them. Somehow they knew about me. I don't know how they got the number, but it didn't really matter. I guess they were supposed to call. And they were, you know, they wanted some guidance and some counseling. They said, well, you are the answer man. You're a minister, so you must know something. I said, you have no idea. <laughs> but he was saying, you know, I'm sick and tired of the job I'm on. You know, I start moving towards something, and it looks promising, and then it starts falling apart. Tell me, what is going on? And I'm like Scooby-Doo. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I closed my eyes, you know, broke out some crystals, you know, got my psychic cards, started reading my own palm, said a few ohms. I'm just kidding. You know, I, I just, I, I focus on spiritual principle. But I said, you got to fully occupy where you are. Go where you are. Go to that place of employment. Because when you do, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, what you do, you put the universe in your debt. And the universe not wanting to be in your debt will start pushing you to a whole different level of expression. You see, this is the principle in how the universe operates. You know, I was mentioning earlier that, you know, when I was younger, much younger, many, many years ago. <laughs> Can't believe the time is going by. I look Look up and, you know, sometimes I look at my, you know, my college alumni magazine. When you first graduate, 
you know, they have the most recent classes that graduate, what's who's doing what and so forth, and you're right at the beginning. Now I got to turn way, I got to turn a whole bunch of pages to get to see what's going on with my classmates. But I remember back, you know, a long time ago, I was working in a furniture store. And it was one of those high-end designer's furniture stores. And one of the things I found out working there, this just had nothing to do with the story, but I just see behind the scenes, the markup they have on that furniture. You know, they might buy something for two or $300, and they'll sell it to you for two or three or $4,000. I said, oh, my God, I'm in the wrong business. But anyway, <laughs> I, um, you know, I was working there, and you know, we had some, some manual work we had to do, and everybody was complaining about having to do it. And then I remember one time the owner wanted me to go up to like uh, the, the upstairs where we all lived with dusty areas and, and take some of the old furniture and, and kind of straighten it up and make it available for the public at a discount. So I decided just to go all out, you know. I organized it and, you know, I, st I staged it. You know, I got some of the polish to polish up all the, the things. I even brought some flowers in there and some incense. I don't know if I had incense, but whatever it was. <laughs> I tried to make it smell good because it sounded all bust uh, dusty and so forth. And it, I have to tell you, I looked over there, I said, that looked good. And so the, the boss came down and he said, yo, my God, who did this? And so he found out I did it and said, well, I need to give you something better to do here than do that work anymore. So anyway, he moved me up because I did more than what I was temporarily compensated for. And I realized that when sometimes when we give more than we're temporarily given, the universe fulfills itself by means of us. And what happens, either the space will expand or will expand beyond that space. So we give more. It means to fully give of ourselves where we are, appreciate where we are. And then we begin to vision for the greater expression of where we want to be. And we cannot help but be moved there. We're dealing with law. And as that scripture said, the law or God is not a respecter of persons. It's really respected of our awareness, our consciousness, what's going on in this week, in ourselves. You know, in our reading this week, you know, Butterworth points out that people have to know where they give from. And they want to give way to this divine, unlimited process. Because as you give, so shall you receive. It's a very active giving that we are receiving. He also points out there's something in our life that if we think is lacking, the one thing to fill up that larry of lack, he said the remedy, the fire remedy is to give. You know, many years ago, there was a country western song. I think it's still out. And uh, I'm not necessarily into country western music, but somebody was telling me about, you know, should check out these different things. And, but anyway, I heard this song. And one thing about country western songs, maybe most songs, but country western songs in particular, they tell great stories. Their stories are phenomenal. And there's one story that came from this uh, song called Desert Pete. And as the name suggests, um, he desert, uh, he lived on a desert. And that was the subject of the song. And right smack in the middle of the desert was a well that people would come to after a long day of travel. And when anyone approached the well, they would see a sign next to the pump. And this is what the sign said. You've got to prime the pump. You must have faith and believe. You've got to give of yourself 
if you're willing to receive. Drink all the water you can hold. Wash your face, cool your feet, but leave a bottle full for others. Thank you kindly, Desert Pete. So each traveler approached the well, and they would see a bottle full of water, and they were faced with a dilemma. The traveler was maybe so thirsty that if they didn't get enough water, that maybe they would die of thirst. Yet the message they received was that they are to take the water that is in the bottle, pour it down the drain in order to prime the pump, and in return, the promise that they would receive more water than they could possibly use or need. So the question is, what should they do? If the traveler understands and aligns with the law of giving, they know the power of letting go of the water they have and without hesitation pour the water down the pump. Sometimes in our limited state of understanding, we may reason that we must get before we give. Then as we turn around, we walk that maybe same mental groove and reason that we must give in order to get. Somewhere along the line, because of our lack of understanding of the principle of giving and receiving and how it works, we may focus more on getting and shut off the spirit of giving. But with the spiritual understanding, we grasp the power of the statement, give and it shall be given unto you. Even if it doesn't make sense at all. Like maybe in that desert peak, they would see that and they say, wait a minute, what if I give away that water? Then I may not have any water at all. Anyway, as this chapter points out this week, to give way to the flow, we must understand that true giving is not something you do to or for someone, but is our consent to let the flow of God through me, you, to that someone or someone's. I have a friend who is an engineer, and I have great respect for engineers because, you know, when I was in college, the engineers, they never left the library. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. God, they lived there all the time. So my hat's off to all the engineers. They make things happen in the world. But anyway, she was an engineer. I think she, she, uh, she worked for Lockheed something. Um, and uh, she's a native of Vietnam. And she had called me because she wanted some tips on... Uh, public speaking to help with her job and maybe get some promotions. And this was a few years ago. And then later on after that, she called me back and she wanted some suggestions on maybe how she can do some interviews or do an interview for a program called StoryCorps. And StoryCorps is where people interview folks they know who have interesting stories, stories about their life, and then they put those stories in the Library of Congress to archive them. And, and some of them are actually play, played on national public radio. Anyway, my friend was going to interview a man. His name was Chuck. Not Chuck E. Cheese, but <laughs> Chuck. He just happened to have the same name, Chuck. And he was a logistical engineer. He was in the Navy. And, he wanted, and she wanted to interview him because Chuck had helped her family during a harrowing war zone experience in Vietnam 45 or 50 years ago. And what Chuck did, he coordinated the evacuation of the civilians and he worked with my friend's father who was also in the military and those two became close. But anyway, the story had lots of twists and turns and close calls and in his rescue in the dead of night, he would he, he'd commandeer a truck and he would transport a whole bunch of kids uh, 
And uh, another time he had a bus that was being riddled with bullets and to take another group to freedom. And, and Chuck, at one point, he said he was dangling from the back of a cargo plane as it was taken off uh, because he didn't want to leave any children behind. And as the plane was leaving the ground, and you know, there was explosions all around and bursting of flames. And as the plane lifted off, and it was like one of those James Bond, Mission Impossible kind of scenarios as he was describing it. It could have been a movie in and of itself. But he talked about how when my friend's family did not have a home, that Chuck took them in. And, and they, he took them in until their father could come back from Vietnam and be reunited with them. And my friend wanted to tell Chuck's story. So she wanted to practice, you know, telling the story with me, you know, and she was in uh, Texas. Chuck was in Florida. and We were on Zoom. And uh, Chuck was saying that normally he was a by-the-book guy. But he was talking about he decided he was going to skirt the rules and the issues and, and save and shelter that family. And he was asked, why did you do it? Why did you risk your life? Why did you circumvent all the Navy's rules to take in that family? And to my friend, he was an unsung hero to her. He didn't want any public recognition. And Chuck said in response to the question, you know, as part of humanity, they are an extension of my human family. We are all God's children. And if anyone suffers, we all do. It was his way of saying that, you know, we all do better when we all do better. When we give to another, we're actually giving to ourselves. He also said it changed him profoundly. It took him from being just a nerdy engineer to bring out the compassion and humanity. He became a better and a richer person, spiritually speaking. And his prosperity came about as he made sacred the principle of oneness and giving from that oneness. And then my friend said 45 years later, she was like reminding us, reminding me that, you know, he started, she created a scholarship in his name to honor him. So Chuck's actions were not limited to the people and the family he helped during that time. His sacred giving led to a legacy that will enrich lives for many people for years to come. Anyway, as I close out, as we capture the essence of this week's topic, giving way to the flow. We come into the awareness that we're no longer willing, if we've ever been consciously or unconsciously, to be a swamp, period. You know, a swamp is a body of water that has, an, has no outlet of all. Some kind of way the water got in, but it cannot get out, so it becomes stagnant and it becomes dead water. Not even the animals will drink from it. Somewhere along the line, if we become swamp-like in any spiritual quality, it is deadening us. It is siphoning off our energy. Creative ideas cannot flow into our awareness. Love and peace cannot flow from our heart. We, may find ourselves to, we must find ourselves to be an expression to outlet the shine of our gifts and our talents and our time. We want to say somewhere along the line, I'm here to be a rushing river rolling downhill. This is not only for us to be a strong inlet, but for the Spirit to move through me, to be that vessel that Louis was singing about, so that we can be a strong outlet. 
and we affirm on a regular basis, I am a place of giving. I am a place of shining. I am a place of glowing. I am a place of radiating. We must be a giver in life, a contributor. We must wake up and say, how can I give more of myself? And that way we'll never be a swamp, but we'll be in tune with the ocean itself to be a wave in that ocean. We'll be flowing with the expression of pure spirit. And there is so much that is overflowing that it oozes everywhere and expresses as our life. That is our destiny. And that's what it means to be in the flow of life. Yeah. So we're going to continue this being in the flow of life because uh, Reverend Deborah is going to be here next week and her topic is what this too shall pass all things come to pass all things come to pass oh I forgot to say the affirmation I got ahead of myself I'm so much in the ahead of the flow let's stay with the flow James stay with the flow yes so let's go ahead and affirm our, our uh, affirmation for the week for this topic and just take this in and make this part of our way of being. Let's say it together. I am both an inlet and outlet for the stream of life. I surrender myself, allowing divine substance, love, and intelligence to flow through me. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Heart. One heart.